What if the truth came in a gel cap and we could just pop it in our mouths and forget about it? Well, it doesn't, and we can't. But we can laugh in the face of reality while plotting our survival. Welcome to the Truth Tastes Funny Podcast. I am your host, Hirsch Repun. And if my guests can handle the truth, so can you. Open wide, folks. Here it comes. My guest today on Truth Tastes Funny is Dwight Heck. Dwight is the founder of Give a Heck Financial. And he started Give a Heck Financial, if I understand correctly, because he had lived paycheck to paycheck as a single dad with five kids, like I have five kids. And I have also been on occasion a single dad between my third kids and my three kids and my two kids. But I definitely can relate to the idea of financial illiteracy and kind of just foolishness. And it's a struggle. And I think there's, it's like anything like mental health, which is part of it too, is that we should be able to admit when we're struggling with something. And there's no one more sensitive in my experience in in the time that I've known him than Dwight. So Dwight, welcome to the show. Hey, brother. Thanks for having me on. It is something that people don't understand. You know, you talk about people not admitting things to others. It's because we live in a society that constantly wants men to be strong, little boys not to cry. It still happens even today. I see my own kids with their kids. I hear things that are spewed out of people's mouths, again, from my own family to clients where it's just pattern taught from the next generation to the next generation. So we teach people to be emotionally dead in what they project to others, right? They actually hold it too close to their heart. They compartmentalize it. And then they do what I spent many years doing, brother, nights of quiet desperation. I don't know if you've ever had that. You can have it whether you're married or whether you're single. Quiet desperation sucks because it literally grips you and it holds you back from being the best version of yourself. And I have experienced it. And you also don't, the quiet is really the thing. It's like, you're not dealing with a problem. You're frozen by it. You're immobilized by it. So you're not upset about what's happening. You're unable to change it or you're stuck. So having been in that situation, What was it about your circumstance that made you want to help other people? And what were you doing before that? And how? what was the transition like into what you're doing now? Well, that's a great question. Well, we could take the whole day to discuss it, but (laughs) I will just, I'll give you the cliff note version, the Coles notes version or whatever they call it, you know, just abbreviation. Before I got into finance, because this is now going into my 21st year, I was a computer consultant. And before that, I was in electronics. I basically have been a hands-on type A kind of person. I like thinking. I like being challenged. But I was never really a person. And, you know, I was a six-figure earner. But yet, I was never challenged to understand the rules of the money game. So I would literally... Just like most people, whether you own your own business or you work for somebody else, you go to work, go home, get paid, and you live on a hamster wheel and you just pay for things. Oh, I want this. I pay for it. And you see the money in your bank account, but you forget the fact that, oh my gosh, 
I got a mortgage payment coming out next week. I got a car payment. I got utilities, dude. Ooh, I forgot to buy groceries this week. Yet we go and we have that dopamine hit that we get by buying stuff and we get excited. Or maybe we're in a, in that quiet desperation thing and that's a dopamine hit that makes us feel good for a, an hour, maybe a day, some people a week. And we just keep on climbing back on that hamster wheel every single day. So it didn't matter what I did from being that person that owned a computer company to a consulting firm, I ended up just living in quiet desperation. I had a person reach out to me in 2001, actually, and said, hey, I think you'd be great at finance. You've been having some major health concerns, which I had. I actually had medical professionals and specialists tell me to leave the IT industry because I was taking it so personally. And here's what I mean by that, people, taking it personally. I'm the type of person that if there's a problem, I'll stay up for days on end until I solve it. Mm. And I'm not joking. I literally would stay up for days on end. I would affected my marriage after my marriage. It affected my health in divorce. And I literally, my friend reached out and said, I know you're thinking of changing careers. I think you should check out the finance industry. You'd be great at it. You're good with people. You're personable and you're tenacious. And that's what this industry needs is some people that have some tenacity, but are going to do it in a tenacious way for always for the client, for that relationship, not for the transaction. So I said, okay, I'll think about it. 2002 rolled around. I had a major health scare. Was out of work for a few months in 2001 into 2002. And he reached out to me again and I said, okay, well, I'll think about it. I kept on procrastinating like a lot of us do, don't yeah. we? We procrastinate when we yeah. have opportunity. We pray if you're a prayer, even if you're not, we talk to the universe or we want, you know, we do the secret, you know, talk things into existence, they claim. But yet when we get something that comes to us, we don't always grasp it. We don't right. always know, you know, like for me being a praying person, how many times is God going to send somebody to me? He's not going to, you know, sit, all of a sudden appear and sit beside me and say, hey, let me hold your hand and help you. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, that the universe isn't going to do that. You know, that joke. I mean, we've already given it up by what we're talking about. But, you know, that joke about the guy that's the very devout religious man and he's shipwrecked and he's on a desert island and the water is rising onto the island and he's going to drown if he doesn't get off this small island. And, you know, he's praying to God, he's praying to God and And he's like, God, pull me off this island, take me off this island. And then he sees in the near distance a helicopter and he's got one flare, but he's like, no, God's going to save me. God's going to save me. So he doesn't shoot up the flare. And then he sees a little cruise ship in the distance going. He could shoot the flare up. It's nighttime now. They're bound to see the flare. And he's like, I'm not using the flare. God's I've been praying to God for three weeks now. He's going to save me. He's going to save me. And then there's an actual rescue plane flying above but they don't come quite down to the island and he's like well yeah should i use the flare now he's like ah, god will save me god will save me finally he has wasted all of his time and the water rises and he drowns and he goes to the hereafter and there he gets to have an audience with god and he's all pissed off and he's like you know i shouldn't even talk to you god i prayed i prayed You know, and he never cared. You never cared enough to save me. And he goes, what do you mean I didn't care to save you? I sent a cruise ship. I sent a helicopter. I sent a rescue plane. 
He goes, <laughs> you know, well, it's, it's and, true though. And because... that's the idea. We don't recognize the, cause I love what you said about manifesting, about trying to manifest something, but then what happens when it appears we shy away from it? You know, yeah, we're like, oh, I'm exactly not ready for it. that yet. So I basically, when he reached out to me, I still pushed it away. But then the summer of 2002, I was having some, you know, my kids were there. I still had joint custody. I didn't have full-time custody at that time. And I, I was, you know, they want to do stuff. Let's do this in the summer. Let's do yeah. that in the summer. And I, you know, and I, I'd look and I was robbing Peter to pay Paul, yet I was a six-figure earner. And it was just like, WTF, this isn't the way <laughs> life is supposed to be. What am right. I going to do? Right. And I, and all of a sudden I had this light bulb epiphany moment and I basically called up the person he had introduced me to because my buddy that had communicated with me lived in another province for the Americans, like living in another state. Right. And I reached out to the person locally connected me to, and I said, Hey, I want to do this. Okay. When do you want to do it? Well, I want to get the books from you and I'm going to write like, this was a Thursday. I said, I want to get the books from you today and I'm going to write Monday. Oh, you'll never do it. It takes people six, eight weeks, sometimes months of studying before they go write and challenge the exam. I said, okay, that's great. That's them. That's not me. Can I pick up the books? Yeah, it's going to cost you this amount of money. It was a few hundred dollars for the course, like the books, because I was just going to self-study. I wasn't going to go take classroom study. Mm -hmm. So it was a, I, a Thursday, I picked them up. Friday, I had my kids for the, it was my weekend with them. And I I went to Blockbuster. Anybody ever heard of Blockbuster? <laughs> Rented a tons and tons of videos and throughout the whole week and tons of junk food. And I kept on popping the videos. The kids would be sitting beside me because, you know, they, we were watching shows and I was studying. I dropped them off Sunday night back to their mom's house. I never went to sleep. I studied from the Sunday evening till the next morning at 830 because I was bound and determined to write that exam. One of the reasons I was bound and determined is Friday, I went to the provincial office and to the government office and paid the fee to write it. And it was non-refundable. Yeah. And I was already broke. I was, <laughs> you know oh, what wow. I mean? I was living a life of quiet desperation already. I was, you know, I'd have money, then I didn't have money because I didn't track things. And I spent things just like I said. And I had those, you know, moments where I shouldn't have spent it. And then this bill coming, then I live in an overdraft, loans, you know, lines of credit. If you have so, it, if you have it, then you buy it or the bills get paid. But if you don't have it, that you can't buy it and the bills don't get paid. Yeah, That's so, a system that I have operated on, you uh, know? And, so and then I, it's a race to make sure that that's there. You're shoving absolutely. that, earning that money absolutely. to make sure that you throw it in there. So it's there in that basket on that day. But that doesn't, that's not a system. You know? That's not a life of living on purpose no. and not by accident. And no. that's what my mission became. So anyway, I went and wrote the exam, passed it, went into that office in the afternoon of the Monday. He wasn't there. So I went in Tuesday and then I had the official because they told me I passed, but they didn't give me an official like a piece of paper. So I had to go pick that up. Tuesday, I walk in his office and he said, oh, don't worry about it because I didn't have any emotion on my face. And this guy went, oh, don't worry about it. You'll pass it next time. So what do you mean? I passed <laughs> it already. <laughs> he was floored, right? I said, "That's funny." He, he said, and so I got put into this local office's newsletter, and you know, basically put up on a pedestal because nobody had done that before. Like I hadn't ever studied before for this. I'd never looked in the insurance and the investment industry, 
And I basically, but I'm a tenacious person. Yeah. I'm good at remembering things in a small period. I'm good at cramming, I guess is the word yeah. for it. <laughs> I can cram and I can remember stuff for short periods of time. And then it's just like gone, but that's okay. So I ended up starting my journey six weeks into it. I fired my trainer because he was transactional based. And that was exactly what I didn't need. Right. I didn't want to be that person sitting down with a Hirsch saying, hey, Hirsch, here, press hard three copies. Let's sell you this investment. Hey, press hard three copies. Let's sell you this insurance, <laughs> this disability, this life. You know, I, I, I didn't want that because it was already I was feeling anxiety and thinking, geez, this isn't what I want. I don't want yeah. the, the transaction is the end result. What about all the stuff in between? Figuring out what's going on with Hirsch, what's going on with somebody like me? Why are they in this circumstance? What did they learn in their origin that caused them to be a person that spend, spend, spend? Did they ever learn budgeting? Did they ever learn how to goal set? Well, the answer 99.9% .9 of the time is nobody's learned it. Their parents never learned it. So how do they teach their kids? And their kids don't teach their kids. And we create a pattern of I'm not understanding the rules of the money game. Our school systems yeah. are broke in North America. So that's what I started to do. In the last 20 years, I've developed a process of creating and helping people control their circumstances via setting goals, understanding how to reach those goals. But every goal that you set in your life it ties just about every time to finances, ties to money, right? Going yeah. on a trip, saving for retirement, sending your kids to school, right? Buying a new vehicle. You tell me something that doesn't need money, right? Yeah. yeah. Or so, that doesn't somehow impact money. In other words, if you do something that's purely altruistic or purely, you know, a self-care thing or whatever it is, that's going to affect your bottom line. So it may not be for money. Like when I started the Truth Tastes Funny podcast here, I didn't have a professional connection to make with it. It wasn't connected to my career in advertising or marketing or branding or anything. But as it happened, it segued into the Yes Brand podcast, which is about that. But without one, there wouldn't have been the other. So even something as would seem like a passion project, oh, I want to do a podcast, help people through the crazy world that we're living in and just kind of do that and connect with more people because I'm feeling stifled. That was it. It didn't take away from my income. It actually added to my entire business model. So you never know. Yeah, exactly. So I ended up continuing to develop that process, did a lot of different things throughout the process too. I also became a branch compliance officer and complied other agents, but got tired of babysitting people because they were transactional based. And no matter what I did, I couldn't get through to them that it's no, I'm not going to sign off on your client, what you want to do for them. It's not right. And I got tired of that argument and that confrontation because the fact that they were starving themselves, they weren't budgeting. They didn't understand their rules. And like you said, they were trying to fill in everything, get some money in there to cover everything and at any cost, any expense. Right. right. And it wasn't because they were bad people. They were bad in the regards to being taught on the rules of the money game. So how, you get good. I had to apply the same things to myself. And, don't, and you know what? The, the joys of life and the sadness of life, it happened to me many more times over the last 20 years yeah. to a point where in 2008, I got full-time custody of my kids. The financial markets crashed. My business went into the toilet because nobody was doing anything. 
And I had that fear grip me again. And I had to realize what had I been doing for my clients? Oh my gosh, I forgot to continue to follow the rules in a money game myself. I, I haven't been budgeting. I haven't been, I had stopped doing all that stuff because I was comfortable. Uh-huh. I had enough money to pay the bills. I had enough money to do this and that. So it wasn't, there wasn't enough of a pain point for me to realize, to have that self-realization my goodness, I'm doing this for all these other people and now I've stopped doing it for myself. And the reason I bring that up is once you start this process, it is a lifetime process. It's just like you deciding you're going to eat healthy. You're, you know, if you don't continue to eat healthy, your weight goes up and down, your health, how you feel, how you think goes up and down. If you don't exercise, you know, the list goes on. Yeah. Things that we start that do good for us, we tend to, as a society, stop doing once we get to that promised thing that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to budget until I get out of debt. And then I'm going to, but I don't need to do it anymore. Well, no, you budgeted. So you understood your numbers so that you knew that you were only making a dollar and you were spending a dollar 50. I taught you the differences between a need and a want. And at that point, we've figured it out how much of your budget, we can take out some of these wants we can apply that to your budget. We can do these other processes that I teach people to get them out of debt. Wow. Now you're out of debt and you have this money. Now we can apply this to the goals you put on there about having a vacation, saving for retirement, you know, sending the kids to school. Oh, wait a minute. You want to be able to actually get a haircut instead of having a mullet. Right. Yeah, right. Maybe, right, maybe right. it's something like that. But it's all controlled about understanding the inflows and outflows of money. And if we don't follow and continue to follow it, it's so easy to fall back under the hamster wheel of life and stop living a life on purpose and go back to living a life of accident. And those listening, I'm not picking on you. I've been there, done that, wrote a book about it. Right. Yeah. So the list goes on. We need to take charge of our lives. And once we learn it, continue that process and teach it to our loved ones. Because at the end of the day, if you understand the rules of the money game, the simple, simple rules of the money game, your life will be more comfortable. You'll feel better. And even if you're in debt, you go to bed at night, you don't have quiet desperation anymore because you know you have a plan that's going to help you live a more fulfilled, purposeful life. Well, I think that, you know, the more I grow and over the last few years, I feel like I've grown in a lot of ways. You know, I just have forced that because I got tired of that randomness, that not knowing how how the chips are going to fall. We don't know exactly how the chips are going to fall, but not having a just doing my career in a way that on the good side, it was fulfilling. And when it was lucrative and good, it was good. And when it wasn't lucrative and good, it was bad. And I had to figure out a different way around it. But it wasn't purposeful. That was the problem. And when people talk about purpose, sometimes we get caught up in feeling like purpose is charity. Like people think purpose means I have a purpose. That means I'm going to feed homeless people, which obviously is purposeful. But purpose is a 365 thing. You know, purpose is our whole kit and caboodle. It's the whole bag of bag of beans, you know, it's all the, all the stuff. So I think that, that what you do is, is amazing because you're not judging that, you know, that weakness or behavior or mistakes or whatever it is, you're just offering your own perspective on ways to change that. 
you know? Well, exactly. And one thing a person has to realize, it's very holistic in the sense that I don't just sit down and say, okay, well, that's your numbers. Let's figure it out. Okay, here, let's go. I actually work on people six inches between their ears. I teach them for teach them things that they might not realize. They might be saying something to me and I'll acknowledge it to them. So it's how we deal. It's not what we say, it's how we say it. And I'll say to them, you know, I understand Sally and John, this circumstance. And it's unfortunate that you're in this circumstance and this is what caused it. How about you think about it this way, right? Maybe this is an opportunity by you sharing it with me. It's a realization that you're willing to change now. Would that be a good assessment? And then shut up and let them respond, right? Because at the end of the day, no matter what I say, you can't convince a person against their will because they're of the same opinion still. You need to educate. You need to drop enough truth nuggets with people who understand their circumstances and be have empathy for them, as you mentioned, not judgmental, so that they can make that decision because a person picking to do something, anything in life, learning how to do something new, whether or not it's money-related or not, it's, it, it can be a challenge. That habit needs to develop because you're willing. And then you got to be willing to realize it's going to be painful, especially when it comes to money and the realization. You look at a spreadsheet, the detailed spreadsheets I do for people doing one for a client tonight. I'm going to a husband and wife with a bunch of kids. It's going to mm-hmm. be painful. And I and yeah. they know it because I have there have been clients of mine for a long time. So you want to know how people can be stubborn. They've been clients of mine for about 18 years now. And this is the first time they've agreed to do budgeting with me. I seen them about two weeks ago and I said, well, same problem that was here before. I'm not here to pick on you because I've been there before. When is it going to be enough for you to want to sit down and share all your numbers? I'm never going to judge you. I've sat down and budgeted with people that are millionaires, or at least you think they are. And they're afraid. (laughs) They're afraid. That I'm going to judge them. No, I'm not. I'm not going to judge you. I just want to help you live a better life for yourself. And if you can't, once you learn how to live a better life for yourself and your family wins, your friends win, your business, your career, whatever you're doing, it's not meant to be a hard process. It's just meant to be real. You need to be willing. Are you willing to change your life? Are you going to stay on that hamster wheel and go to work, go home, get paid, wait for the weekends and jump into addictions like a lot of people do because they're in quiet desperation. They can't sleep during the week. They're waiting for that. It's Monday. They can't wait till Friday hump day. They're sitting there going, Oh, only two more days. And then Friday comes and they hit their addictions of alcohol, drugs, TV, sex, whatever. It could be all of it. Right. But they, they just don't realize it. And then Sunday comes and they're dreading Monday morning. So, that's not a life to live. And if the people that are watching, listening to your show, if that's your thing, that's what you like doing. I'm not here to judge you. I'm just saying, if you want more, there's even a little spark inside your soul. There's people like me that can water it, that can help you learn how to get off the hamster wheel of life and live with a life that's purposeful filled like Hirsch mentions, right? Because purpose isn't just about doing charity. It is about your whole life every aspect of it from the moment you wake up being grateful for what you have to going to bed at night and being grateful what you achieved or what 
has happened or acknowledging, oh my goodness, I had one of those character building moments today and I didn't deal with it the best. How am I going to deal with it tomorrow? So it's all a process that I teach people about self-reflection. But again, with all that, base, the base of life is still finance. It still has to be worked on along with dealing with their six inches between their ears. I love it. And where can people find you, Dwight? I don't always do it, but I want to, in addition to the show notes, I want to add any kind of URL or or whatever you want to shout out there. Well, there's two things they can do. They can check out my website is the best place to go is giveaheck.com. So again, just giveaheck.com, all one word. They can check out my book. They can check out my podcast. They can check out what I do with for people in regards to financial education. It just, it gives them some great opportunities. Oh, there he goes. Shows here's, my his, book. here's the book. It, Give it, a hack. Here we go. How Give to live life on purpose and not by accident. It's incredible. And, you know, he gave it to me on the stipulation that I would read it and not sit on my ass. And so, uh, <laughs> and here we are. But honestly, so, yeah. really, really good. And I know forward by by our by Tony Watley, uh, yep. who's your friend, and your friend, yeah, your friend, and now mine, gratefully, and a great guy. So, uh, well, I really, I really hope people take advantage and and learn more, and you know, get off the hamster wheel. I love, I love that. Get off the hamster wheel because because I know what it feels like to be on it, and it's not an either or proposition. The hamster wheel is like always there and we can walk over to it and get on it and feel like we're on it and be okay with that. Or we can say, you know what? I, we really got to, I got to get off this thing. And, and we're not, and I'm not asking you to throw the hamster wheel out. I don't know that I'm ever going to throw out my hamster wheel. <laughs> I've well, been a hamster too long, but. But you're right you know, though. It's there forever, but we can choose when we step onto it yeah. and when we step off of it, because sometimes you, you 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 have some circumstance going on like i have a, a death anniversary coming up this weekend of my granddaughter well it's tough i'm not looking yeah. forward to it and i'll be honest i might climb onto the hamster wheel for the weekend and not get off until monday but if i'm conscious of it it's not controlling me if that makes yeah. sense i can yeah. you can literally you can literally make life is full of choices yeah. you have a right to make any choice you want and you good, bad, or ugly suffer the consequences, good or bad, right? You can you can have good consequences, bad consequences. So, you know, that's another thing I talk a lot of people about. You know, get to a point in your life, and I think you and I talked about this when we met in Toronto, that there's a way for a person to actually work in their mindset, program their mind to never have a bad day, right? Right. To only right. have only have good days and only have bad moments. Bad moments are okay. Climbing on that hamster wheel and and having it, if you acknowledge it and you can get off of it, like Hirsch said, it's going to be there the rest of your life, then that's okay. But we need to strengthen our mental mindset to not live on it is what I'm worried about for most people, including myself. I think about it, and which is a good thing because if you're conscious of it, you have realization, it's easier to stay away from it. Thanks so much for tuning into Truth Tastes Funny. If you enjoyed the experience, please leave a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends.